Today's episode is brought to you by Rosarium Publishing. Rosarium Publishing is the award-winning Black-owned publisher that created Dayblack, Mothership, Malice in Ovenland, Wally Fresh, APB, Artists Against Police Brutality, and many more titles available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Comixology, and Peep Game Comics. They have been so successful that they need to expand, and that's where you come in. Rosarium is raising money through Indiegogo to pay for rising print costs so that they can continue to bring you these amazing stories without sacrificing quality. Please contribute at rosariumpublishing.com and click on the Indiegogo button to donate today. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie. In this episode, Joy does a one-on-one interview with beauty editor Tia Williams. Tia, for 15 years, was a magazine beauty editor at YM, Elle, Glamour, Lucky, and Essence.com. And in 2005, she created one of the first beauty blogs called Shake Your Beauty. She's the best-selling author of The Accidental Diva and The It Chick series and co-wrote Iman's The Beauty of Color. Currently the copy director at Bumble and Bumble, she lives in Brooklyn with her diva daughter, and her latest novel, The Perfect Find, hit shelves in spring of this year. Take a listen to this fantastic interview with host Joy and beauty editor, writer, Tia Williams. All right, everyone, welcome back to another segment of Black Girl Nerds. I'm your host, Joy. And I have with me someone who's no stranger to the beauty world and beauty publications. Um, I have here Tia Williams, who was a former beauty editor at magazines such as YM, L, Glamour, Lucky, Essence, you name it. She was in that world. She's now the current copy editor of Bumble and Bumble um, and the former blogger of Shake Your Beauty. So Tia, thank you so much for having, you know, staying with us and uh, chatting with us for a second. I'm so excited to be here, I can tell you. I am excited too, so this is going to be fun. Great. <laughs> I am very, I'm very excited to uh, interview you, so we can just get right into it. So as I mentioned yeah, before in your uh, introduction, that you've been in the beauty editing circle for a while. So you worked with Y&M, you worked with Elle, you worked with Glamour and all these kind of really big popular beauty publications. How is it transitioning yeah. to a career where visuals are the focus to now writing a book where there are little to no images? Well, the funny thing is I've been writing books since I was six years old. So I was an author first. I mean, obviously I was in publishing books when I was in elementary school, but I've been writing fiction my whole life. And I always knew I wanted to do two things. I wanted to work in magazines and I wanted to write books. So I always kind of had that sort of professional schizophrenia going on where I I was obsessed with both, with books and magazines. And I had both in my head and I moved to New York two weeks after I graduated from UVA to do both. And so it was always in my mind. So I, I, I never really thought of it as a, as a real transition. What my plan was, because I am a type A weirdo dork, and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to New York, I'm going to work in women's magazines for a while, but I have had no experiences in life yet, and I have nothing to write about, really. Like, so let me just live in New York for a little bit, 
you know, have some romances, do some stuff, experience some things, do some traveling, and then write something. And that's kind of what happened. I fell in love with this, like, really charismatic, terrible guy. <laughs> and I was working at Glamour for this kind of interesting boss, and I kind of had it, and I put all my stuff in storage, and I quit my job at Glamour, and I broke up with the psycho, and I moved to Seville, Spain, for six months, and taught English to seven-year-olds, and I wrote my first novel, The Excellent Diva, because I felt like I had enough material to actually write fiction at that point, and I did. And I kind of took what was, you know, this kind of crazy thing, you know, experience with this guy, and, you know this insane fashion world experience that I had and I, and I turned it into fiction and that's what I do. I get inspired by hiccups and, you know, small tragedies and interesting triumphs and, you know, just the, the things that happen in my life. It's, that's what's fun about being a fiction writer that you can take what happens to you and make it epic in fiction. Anything mundane you can turn into a big story. You know what's funny is that, you know, you write fiction, but that whole story on how you wrote your first book was very much sounding like a fiction novel. Like, I worked in the beauty scene, broke up with my boyfriend, and just moved to Spain <laughs> to, teach, to teach seventh graders. That's awesome. <laughs> it's one of those things you can only do when you're 25. Like, I would never do that now. Like, just put all my stuff in storage and leave. Like, where am I going? <laughs> when, when I came back, nothing was you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. I'm. I don't know what I was thinking, but it, it all worked out. You know, when you're when you're younger, you just sort of have, you know, blind self confidence and balls that you don't have when you get older. I think. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense. That I definitely kind of resonate with that because I'm turning 25. So I I, under, I understand that kind of story of you're a lot more bolder uh, at that age. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So now working in the beauty magazine circle how does that help you craft images in your writing so do you think that you've become a more visual writer if you will from your experiences working in the beauty publication kind of industry i actually think that the opposite happened for me like i my very first job one of my first jobs was at l i was the beauty assistant at l and my boss the beauty director was jean cotton who it's kind of a legend in beauty writing circles, and she also writes fiction. And her approach to writing beauty was true storytelling. So it wasn't like, you know, the hottest blush of the season is, is, a, is a peachy rose at the um, apple of your cheek. Like, it wasn't, you know, cheesy beauty rhetoric. Like, she would take, she was almost like, she would take anecdotes from her life and weave it into a story. She would go to a fashion show and report on beauty trends as it relates to her and come up with a personal story about what she was seeing. And she would really editorialize and use these beautiful, you know, use beautiful language. And she always told us, like, write beauty like you're talking to your smartest friend. You know, she pushed us really, really hard and to make beauty writing into creative writing. So I approached it like I was writing fiction, you know, this really sort of flowery, evocative language. And I think one spills in, into the other. And I've definitely been accused in my books of, of uh, Publishers Weekly said, in their review of Excellent Diva said that I use purple prose, which is kind of a read, but for me, I thought it was a compliment, which just means that I get really gushy 
and overboard about stuff. Like, I, I, one of my lines in Excellent Devo is that Billy and Jay were ravenous love junkies, and they said that that was trouble for us. But I like to be gushy and over the top a little bit with it, because, you know, books are escape. No, that makes and, sense. Sometimes, I, sometimes when you're talking about fiction, I think nowadays we get maybe a little bit too caught up in um, trying to be realistic, but that's that's not, sometimes that's not the point of, of fiction. Fiction is to no. take you into a different world where it's magic and mystery and stuff that's kind of outside of your normal day-to-day life it's supposed to be escape. Absolutely. You don't want to read about random, everyday, uninspiring lipstick either. Like, you, you want it to be elevated. It's the same thing. If you're writing a love story, you want it to be like the most passionate thing you've ever read in your life. So I kind of approached them both with the same sort of energy. No, that makes sense. So you have a new book that's coming out. It's called The Perfect Fine. And the main character, her name is Jenna Jones. If you could describe her in four words, what four words would you use? Um, Okay, she is hopeful. Ambitious, very conflicted, and besotted. Ooh, I like that last one. Besotted. I like that. Word. I love the word besotted. <laughs> I'm like You've <laughs> automatically made this interview ten times fancier using the word besotted. <laughs> Good on that. So how? Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's awesome. <laughs> I like those descriptions. So. You obviously have, from what I've seen in your previous books, your previous books being The Accidental Diva and, and It Chicks, the book series, you have women as a protagonist, women of color in the forefront particularly. So I would ask you, how is Jenna different from your other protagonists in your other books? I know Accidental Diva has Billy. The It Chicks has a, a, a bunch of uh, younger girls in, in the forefront as the protagonist. So how is Jenna different? Yeah, Billy was a 25-year-old beauty editor at magazines. The main characters in It Chicks were teenagers. They were in high school. It's like a diverse cast of kids that went to, like, performing arts high school. It was like a theme for the arts. And then Jenna is a 40-year-old woman, so she's a lot older than my other main characters. And she has the wisdom of experience, and she's in a place She's at sort of a crossroads in her life that I've never written about because I've never been in that place before. So she's 40, and she is she crossed off all the boxes. She had what she thought was her perfect life. She's kind of like a perfection addict. You know, she has, you know, the mogul fiancé, the only man she's ever been with since she was 18 years old. She has, you know, this glittering fashion magazine career. She has a beautiful home in the West Village, and then one horrible week, her fiancé dumps her, her magazine fires her, and she loses all her money. And so it's like everything that she ever valued about herself is gone. And she has to kind of pick up the pieces and reinvent herself. And she does at this street-style online magazine, and she's surrounded by millennials. And she doesn't even have Facebook. And she's totally in over her head. I think she's like a dinosaur. She's never taken a selfie. She doesn't know what's going on. She's working for her old, like, friend of me from the 90s. And she ends up falling into this, like, you know, deeply passionate, totally secret affair with her 22-year-old coworker. She's completely rebuilding her life, and it's something that I went through, and a lot of my girlfriends have gone through. It's like, you make plans for your life, and sometimes, you know, you wake up and your life doesn't look like you thought it would look. 
and you have to think quickly. And that's when you really learn what you're made of. That's when you really boss up. And I wrote this at a time when I had lost everything. I got laid off. I got a divorce. I got very, very sick. I was in the hospital for basically two years. I couldn't work because I was so sick, and I thought I was over. And I wrote this, and I wrote, I invented her as sort of like my alter ego, you know, this woman who's chasing this comeback and getting it, pulling herself together, and it was sort of like the, you know, for me to live vicariously through her to help me sort of get to that place, and I wrote what I wanted to happen in my real life. So she's different than my other protagonist because she, like, you know, she's older and has been through more. The stakes are a little bit higher for her. Right. Because a life change at 40 is a lot different than a life change at 25. That is very true. One thing I've noticed is that you have a penchant for writing career-minded or future-minded but relatable women, and they're kind of at the helm of your books. Mm -hmm. Was this something that was planned or a deliberate decision when you began writing, you know, your various books, or was it just something that naturally flowed through you because of just your own personal life experiences? me it's that thing about writing what you know is it's true like that's who I am I I am career focused and an, an enormous dork but I love fashion and I you know am a hopeless romantic and you know my career means a lot to me and I'm passionate about it I'm passionate about everything and so these are the women that I write about. And that's, you know, I'm inspired by my life and the women that I know. And we're all kind of like that. You know, whether, you know, my sister that's a lawyer, my other sister that's a, you know, a political journalist, my friend that owns a nail spa, my other friend that's a VP at Sony. You know, we're, we're all career-minded women with big, complicated lives. And they're interesting. And I don't see our stories being told. No, that's a great way to look at it, and it's true. Kind of going into your stories not being told, from your experience and in your opinion, where do you, what do you think that the fiction writing space is missing? And how do you think that the your new book, The Perfect Fine, how do you think it fills that gap? Oh, my God. Oh, I could talk about this for three hours. I don't know. I just feel like, we are missing, I don't know, just like books where we're just being black and dynamic and 3D and all our different flavors in one space. It's like, we're not allowed to do that. It's like the, the different world model, but in fiction. You know, if you look at black contemporary fiction versus white contemporary fiction, commercial fiction, we're not really afforded the same luxury of nuance and you know, and storytelling for storytelling's sake as white characters. Absolutely. Our characters, you know what I mean? Like, they have to experience some sort of struggle to make sense to white publishers. Like, too often black is seen as, like, a condition. Like, it's a dead serious one at that. Like, and you look at the black books that make an impact. It's like, we're slaves, we're civil rights, we're amazed. Or, you know, there are these very high literary tomes on race in America. And we need those books badly. You know, because America has collective amnesia about where, you know, where we come from. You know, we need these reminders and this, this is our path. But to me, what's even more important, what's even more humanizing and powerful and game-changing would, you know, be a black on girl. 
a black Fifty Shades, a black me without you. And what's frustrating is knowing that we're not the black versions of anything. We're out here leading totally dynamic, multifaceted lives, but our stories aren't being published, you know? I grew up with, and I'm surrounded by, hilarious, clever, dorky, sexy, brilliant, shady, you know, slutty, completely interesting black people, but we're invisible in fiction. So I've always made it my goal to give up the voice. And I, you know, I do that with the perfect mind. Like, every character comes from, you know, a different walk of life. And, you know, they're just, they're interesting. They're super dynamic. And I, 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 you know, and they're people that I know. They're real. And I don't see them, so I just want to give us a voice. No, that's true, because I think oftentimes, and it's very interesting, like, when you're talking about representation, specifically black women representation, oftentimes we're trying to have to fight spaces and fictional spaces where dragons and, like, wizards live. Like, that's more realistic to people. They can grasp that. But if you put a black character in, a particularly a black woman character in a story, now it's like, oh, you know what? This is where my mind and imagination just cuts off. And it's it's quite oh. fascinating. Oh, yeah. Like, I heard when my agent was a fabulous literary agent, when she was shopping this around, I heard several times that, you know, from editors at publishing houses, love this. So sexy, so fun, so witty. You know, we love Jenna. But she's a black woman in a white industry. You know, fashion's a white industry. We would really, really love it if you could play out more of her struggles as a black woman in fashion. Like, that would legitimize the story. This is a love story. It's a workplace drama and a love story. Big, sexy love story. This is not about her struggles as a black woman. But it's so typical because we have to be, black has to be something we're getting over in order for us to make sense. Like, we have to be seen through through the context of race mm. for us to make sense. Mm-hmm. But we have to apologize. Like, it didn't make, it, it's not, Jenick just can't be a fashion editor out here being excellent. It doesn't, you know, and that, that's insulting to me also because that's my life that I live, that I live. And I know that it's, that it's real and it happens and it's true and we do that. We do everything. We're out here doing everything. And this is a problem. We don't see these stories enough and people don't believe they're true. No, that's true. Black girl magic is not just a hashtag, guys. It's life. Not just a hashtag. And diversity isn't just a hashtag. Like, it's it's real life. It's very much real life. So for you, you know, because you lived aspects of this life and you're, you're funneling it into your writing, how true to scale is the day-to-day life of your protagonist's work to what you've seen? Maybe not even necessarily experienced, but from what you've seen in your kind of expansive career in this world? And are there any stories you can, you know, recount from your own career that you directly kind of spit out and put into your books? Oh, all of it. All of it. I lived all of it. Because I've been her. I mean, the publishing industry is going through an interesting time. You know, I grew up in print magazines. You know, they're on their way out, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Magazines are folding left and right. You know, the, the mastheads are getting smaller. People are getting laid off. Everything is digital now. Mm-hmm. The whole world is digital now. Why wait three months for a magazine to come out when you can get everything in an hour on social media or on your favorite website? You know, my old world is no longer happening. So you have to, you know, everyone that I know, all the editors that I kind of came up with, like we have had to reinvent ourselves 
in the digital space or go work for a brand like what, what I've done. But before I worked for a brand, I went to Essence.com and I was completely flabbergasted and befuddled and, and over my head because it's a completely different world working online. I'm used to writing a thousand word magazine pieces and, you know, now it's about clicky headlines and, you know, short, snappy pieces and you know, it's just a totally different world and it's a different skill set and, you know, it was scary because I felt old. I just felt old. I felt like the 22-year-olds were looking at me like I was a complete asshole <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't know what I was talking about in meetings anymore and that's a funny thing to come from a world where you were winning and then suddenly be at the bottom. At, and, you know, in your late 30s, it's just completely disorienting. And a lot of my peers are going through this. So, yeah, the stories that I tell in The Perfect Mind are absolutely taken from real life, where she's in meetings, meetings and, like, they're talking about Hootsuite sweet and, you know, SEO headlines. She's just like, what are these people using? She doesn't even understand filters. Like, she doesn't know what's happening at all and has to learn a new language and learn it quickly and pretend that she knows what's happening, you know, slide under the radar and figure out a way to come out on top. That's very scary, but I yeah. I look forward to seeing the book on shelves. I look forward to having more black representation, specifically black women representation in the fictional sphere, and I appreciate you for doing that and being a part of that world and, and kind of ignoring what even, you know, critics and, and reviewers are saying, kind of just using that space to write how you write and kind of working your experiences through that. So, Tia, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. I love your podcast. It was such an honor to be, to be here. Yay. I'm awesome. So thrilled. Yay. <laughs> so where, where can we find you? When is the book coming out? Give us all of the details. Okay, so the book comes out on April 12th, but you can pre-order it before then. Amazon, iBooks, Kobo, BarnesandNoble.com. Any of those places, Kindle, Nook, Paperback, whatever format you like, it's available. And I am on Twitter and Instagram, Shake Your Beauty, and Facebook, Tia Williams. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Tia. I appreciate it. Thank you. I had so much fun. Yay. All right.